the thing from another world. This is the spot where it was first seen, and these are the first people who saw the thing. How did it get here? Where did it come from? What is it? That thing's alive, sir. I saw it. I shot at it. I hit it. I know it. Nothing happened. It just kept coming at me, making a noise like a cat mewing. Captain, it was awful. You could have seen those hands and those eyes. Captain, you've got to do something about it. You've got... Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? Baffling questions, astounding questions that not even the world's greatest scientific minds can answer. Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? A being from another world as different from us as one pole from the other. If we can only communicate with it. See? What happened, Doctor? In the greenhouse I was working, I couldn't see. Then a blast of cold air, and I heard Olsen scream. Come here. Get in the corner. Now hold this in front of you. Stay by the light switch. 1.9. Needles hit the top. Welcome to the Classic Horror Podcast. We are back with episode 19, and we're kicking off a little bit of a 1950s season. So coming off of the Creature from the Black Lagoon, we've got a, another 1950s horror, sci-fi horror, as you know most were from the 1950s. And today we are talking The Thing from Another World, 1951 Howard Hawks production. What do you think, Michael? As you said, you know, like we're uh, coming off the back of Creature from the Black Lagoon, and I feel much like I did about Creature from the Black Lagoon. I'm mean, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> there yeah, are no guilty yeah. pleasures. Like there's, there was stuff to like. Holy hell, that 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 uh, that burn, the spaceship explosion. I was like, holy hell, whoa, right on, good on you. Yeah, yeah. But man, I mean, we're gonna get into everything, everything. But I just overall, like, I'm glad I saw it. But meh. Yeah, didn't didn't like hit you. Yeah, same. I mean, I I had a real appreciation for it, especially with it being a Howard Hawks production. I'm a big fan uh, of his. We we get into his uh, other films in a you know in a little bit. Touch on them. Obviously, he uncredited directed this. You know, a couple of the actors said he definitely directed. Others said no, he didn't. You know, it was um the guy he hired, but. Yeah, it's. It, I've heard it he definitely like unequivocally directed some of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a powerhouse, right? And this was like his project, as well. Okay. He, like, he's the one that got this going. He's the one that approved the monster, if you will, the you know the being the thing at the end of it. He's the one that approved the whole design of that. He, cool. I think it cool. took him something like six months to get a design that he was happy with. Yeah, so his fingerprints were definitely on it all. Obviously, he's a powerhouse director. I don't know if you're familiar with some of his other films, but, you know, he's he, like he's had success, you know, and he went on to have. Right. I am woefully uneducated on Hawks. I know his name. I know his legend. Yeah. And I'm certain when you start listing shit, I'm going to be like, oh, I've seen that. Oh, I know oh that. yeah, definitely. But, definitely. like, I don't yeah. know dick about this man. Oh, no, like, definitely. Like, you're, we're, <laughs> we're definitely getting to it, but I reckon I'll name a few. 
and you'll be like oh shit okay oh right okay like you know he's one of those directors that once you start looking at like a director's body of work then you put it together but in terms of like i would probably argue that some of the films he made especially later in his career are probably bigger than him so you definitely know the films even if you haven't seen them you definitely know the films if you know they're howard hawks or not like i don't know it, it doesn't really matter to be honest but his yeah. fingerprints are kind of on this a little bit okay. i kind of can okay. see where he probably did direct it but that's definitely not right enough the, the guy that actually directed it he you know some people say no it was definitely him he definitely directed it. i think one of the actors worked with him in tv i believe the director is actually this is the only film he ever made and really? yeah and then he, he become like you know he just worked in a shit ton of tv but a couple of the actors did work with him in tv and said oh no this was very much his directing style this is very much what he'd done but anyway we're jumping to howard hawks in a little bit do you so obviously given your reaction up top this didn't you know set you set you on fire if you will do you think part of that is because of the very very famous and far superior remake john carpenter's the thing not yes not no and uh i was listening to a podcast and they were discussing uh how you don't get to it was uh with Gorlean Rust. Uh it's a couple of improv dudes and uh a producer on a bunch of the Earwolf podcasts. Okay. He, yeah. uh, and and they 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 started by going it was called uh In Voorhees We Trust with Gorlean Rust and they just went movie by movie through the Friday the 13th franchise. Oh, nice. And then they just kind of just started going through different franchises and I was listening to them discuss the alien versus predator it was was, they were discussing alien versus predator and so i believe it was matt gorley who said something along the lines of you don't get to alien and you don't get to john carpenter's the thing without this film and it was just kind of a throwaway thing that he said and i was like oh yeah 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 Yeah, i can see that because like yeah and there's a lot of really interesting ties between uh you know uh this film and john carpenter's the thing visual things like the title card of the thing yeah and which which like (laughs) i just i i laughed out loud and audibly went hey i was totally the uh caprio meme from from once upon a time and uh there you know there were some interesting like 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 some of the hallways were similar some of the camera movements were similar yeah. But uh, and like and, and camera movements, like I, I I really enjoyed some of the cinematography. There's there there is good, there is enjoyment, there is some really great. But overall, I was a lot of it had to do with the fact that the the cast was just too large, and they all looked Agreed. similar Agreed. and sounded identical. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I feel like oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, because no, I, feel... I, I was like. Am I am I wrong? Like they sound the same. I mean, for me, like for me, that definitely, that's definitely where I didn't gel with it. Is the way I'd put it. Is yeah. like you said, I appreciate the look of it. I appreciated the story they were trying to tell. I really liked the the subtle way they were kind of sowing the distrust among them and the distrust with the government and the distrust of why they're there and what they're researching and stuff like that. I really like that. I really like the idea of the madness that is creeping in. That works. 
but if there's anything that i would take from the classic horror films we've looked at so far or other classic horror films i love or if we're going to john carpenter the thing is for me there's a real lack of truly memorable characters from this film like none of them really really stand out like you don't I, I might argue that the, that the one lady stands out because, like, I I really appreciate like not not the not the first one we meet not 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 like the doctor no not the doctor but the one who's like yeah. really kind of like aggressive the one who yes. isn't shields the one who figures it out yes yeah yeah yes. okay yeah. so like so I, actually, I believe like, her name I, I believe the character's name is Nikki okay but she yeah you're but i does she stand out because and I, I tell you like completely like open with you this is but because like i obviously had seen a lot of hulk stuff this was actually my blind spot on the hulk stuff and i had never really gone here so i couldn't it's kind of one of them things where i'd seen like a lot of clips from it and i couldn't really work out if i'd seen the whole film or not and no i can okay. tell you after watching it's like this was the first time i had actually sat through and watched the whole film and okay. one of the things that did throw me off a little bit is i don't remember ever seeing any clips with a female character in it and obviously john carpenter right. the thing is very famous having no women yeah, yeah so this as soon as like you see her and she's with the boys and she's part of that gang really and like the whole thing that's going on i don't know if it's too harsh to say that's why she was memorable because I don't feel like I mean, the character I'm, was. I'm not mad at that. Like I, like I don't, I don't agree, but I don't disagree. I yeah, hope that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like, yeah. like because like for me, I mean, maybe she's just the most. To me, she's the most memorable thing because she's the most standout in demeanor and of the era. Oh, hey, this lady's kind of yeah. badass. Yeah, yeah, and... I, I completely agree with that. I completely, yeah, I completely agree with that just that, that, that there was a character who was just kind of like owning her sexuality if you will and also you know extremely smart as in you know, the reason that the the film ends the way it ends you know yeah 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 i wonder if like one of my problems was the way she is kind of just introduced in a like it turns into quite a like sexual scene and I okay. wonder, like, like as soon as I started, I was like, oh, okay, is this where we're going with it? Like, is is she just part of this gang because that's the purpose she serves? Like, thankfully, no, it, it didn't seem to go that way. But right, no, if if she had just you know wound up sleeping with one or more of go. them, it yeah, would have yeah. been completely. I would have not. I would not be having the same conversation yes. that we're yeah, having yeah. Right now. Definitely. It would be utterly different. But the fact that it, it it not only does it not go there, but she's in control, and yes. and the men aren't just submissive in the scene they're like cool with being submissive in the scene yeah yeah yeah, i completely agree with that i think that definitely stands yeah that definitely stands out and i think she does a really really good job with bringing that role home definitely and then the other character i would say does stand out if if any of them stand out just because against the other male types he was a little bit different was the character of ned scott who was the he's like the reporter guy yeah, no, he was, cool. he was cool. I mean, right? well, I mean, as cool as he could be in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and again, it, like, I feel like it's just because he was so different to the other guys. Like, all the other guys were just, yeah, they just kind of bled into one, right? They're all these like alpha males where he wasn't. He was the, 
he was the one that was kind of being pushed around a little bit. But again, I don't feel like any of the characters really grabbed me. But what I do feel like the film done well was the the way it used those characters to navigate its way to the end of the picture. Like you are just waiting almost in like classic horror fashion for that showdown, right? Like you are just waiting for the showdown with the thing. And I do think it comes together quite nicely, actually. I, I do like the way it comes together and the ending you get. And again, like me and you have always said on this, you know, these classic horror films playing loose with their uh, use of fire. Which oh, my you, Jesus. You, yeah, that end scene, right? Like just, so impressive. Yeah. That was the, that was actually the one thing I had seen before I watched the movie, was yeah. I had seen well, not that. The, sorry, not the... The one that actually really got me wasn't the, wasn't the end scene. It was the... Um, it's towards the end where... The one in the, the bunker. Yeah, where the thing yeah, comes in the, the room. And then, oh, yeah, 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 man. Wow, like that. Just the way, like, the the monsters pushing people around and then they're going up to him and trying to push him around. And you're just like, people are going to get set on fire. People are going to get burnt. <laughs> people are going to get, like, this is insane. You'd never have that today. And it's, like, a lovely wide shot of it as well. So you can see all the chaos yeah. unfolding. But yeah, just, I think that and you know it's real fire. There's oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, there's not no just because of when it was made, but because yeah. of the way the fire is moving. It couldn't yes. be anything. Yes. Oh real. yeah. No. Yeah. No ifs or buts, man. That's real fire. And also the way, like once the once a monster leaves the room, once the thing jumps out the window, the, there's just trails of fire left behind where like other stuff is just <laughs> set on fire. And it's like, damn, someone get a fire extinguisher in there. Yes. Uh, yeah. But again, just playing loose with a. Uh, where they used to fire, which always makes me laugh, actually. But, um, yeah, you would never, ever get that today. I actually think there's... I managed to find a couple of behind-the-scenes photos, which, obviously, I, I put in over the top of our... Um, over the top of the podcast. And there's some really good uh, uh, behind-the-scenes of um, the guy in the suit just getting extinguished down, you know, because he's... Uh, <laughs> you know, that is real fire. They're just setting a guy on fire. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool when, you know, a stunt that you don't see too often anymore. You do see it now and again, but, um, but yeah, you don't and see I it too I love often. that they're getting better and better. Like, they don't have to be in giant bulky suits anymore. They could, you yes. know, they got that gel, that, yeah. that fucking gel. Yeah, yeah. And also they kind of, like, build it in, right? Like, the, the look of the character is kind of built with that in mind. It's like, we're going to oh, get yeah. there. We're going to set this character on fire. It's going to get a little bit bulky. We'll just fucking build that in. Just make it a little bit bulky. And on that note, what did you think of the design of the monster slash alien slash the thing? You know, given that there were like 11 million people in the movie, I appreciated that, you know, with the budget that they had, they, they created something that's, if not, you know, iconic and all time great, you know, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's imposing also because of its actor, who interesting was is uh, also in them, which we're going to cover at some point, yes, and was also in Gunsmoke, like a yeah. lot of it, <laughs> like most of it. <laughs> like, but um, you know, it, it's uh, it was it's definitely like a dude in a suit, and I don't mean that like derogatorily, but it's like a little. I don't know, man. Like, you know, the creature is just so iconic and amazing, and it's a dude in a suit. And this is like, oh, that's a cool dude in a suit. Yeah. And yeah. I hope that made sense. Yeah, no, definitely. It It's funny, actually, because it, it you're based on some stuff I've read and, and some 
reports out there. O- oddly enough, what I'm getting at is the first time I'd really heard of this film, opposed to obviously that John Carpenter remade it, was it's actually around Frankenstein because the makeup artist on this was a dude called Lee Greenway. And as I uh, said at the top of the show, it took him ages to get a design that Howard Hawks was happy with. And it, there is like this, uh, again, you know, it's all rumour to some extent, but there is a rumour that the one thing they couldn't really get right was the look of the head on the monster. And okay. eventually Howard Hawks was like, just give me a Frankenstein head. And that's why he kind of has that flat top. Yeah, I, I almost didn't want to say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, so that was essentially Howard Hawks like after it, I think it was like five, six months, was just like, give me a Frankenstein head. And then like was happy with it. So that that was kind of the first time I heard of it because it was like in the influence of Frankenstein still going. People were like, why doesn't it look this good? Why can't we have Frankenstein? <laughs> okay. And you can definitely okay. see that because especially the very, very end when they're trying to trap it in the um the electrical trap. Yes. And just like how lumbering he is and the way he moves and yeah, <laughs> the way he's like walking. Yeah yeah, 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 man. Like it's Frankenstein all over, right? Uh, art begets art, whatever. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, yeah. So we've touched on the cast, we've touched on the monster. You said that you appreciated some of the direction, some of the cinematography. Let's just touch on that a little bit because I think the cinematography in this film actually does really hold up. And yeah. I, yeah, I managed to watch a, a really nice HD version of this and. Yeah, it definitely yeah, holds up. It in HD. You know, it's when you when when you have a cast as long, you have to uh, either you know have an extremely wide frame and or move your camera in interesting ways, and they manage to do both things. Uh, I think equally well. I mean, tell me if you disagree. Like they tended to to just figure out how to frame everyone in a in a static shot pretty yeah. well most of the time. But when the camera started moving, it was like it wasn't just because it was moving and it had been static that it was interesting. It was because they had genuinely interesting tracking shots. Uh, people, you know, Aaron Sorkin, West Wingy conversations moving through hallways. Moving through hallways, yeah. 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 No, definitely. Yeah, I completely agree. I think there's some stuff that really, really holds up. I think the hallway work is really, really nice. Like you said, the we actually touched on it in the Creature in the Black Lagoon episode where we were saying about the way that it's blocked out where you're trying not to have anyone in front of each other. You're trying to work out where everyone is. I don't think this achieves it as well as Critcher and Black Lagoon did, but that also could be that there is more people in the frame at any one time. And they, a lot of them are very similar. Three or three times, most times. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? There were so so many people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I feel like that probably lets the blocking down a little bit just because... It, it does get a little bit confusing about who everyone is. And there are people that you kind of wonder why they're in frame. So I feel like there's something lost on that. Like you've obviously got your, your main people, right? You've got like your four main characters and then like you normally, you just have other people that surround them and that can get a bit jarring of like, who the fuck are these people? What, you know, why are they in every frame? But, but like I do said, think that like, works. it's like four people. It's like four, you know, four, yeah, four six main characters. People. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. There are conservatively like eleven people at at most times. <laughs> yeah, you get you get a lot of people in the frame. You get a hell of a lot of people in the frame. But I do feel like they they manage it 
somewhat well and then you know other times it, it does become a little bit blurry but in terms of like the hallway shots i think the shots outside in the snow and and you know the way they work a lot of that that's really nice that works out really really well oh no absolutely and i mean just moving back for like a second i just like like i'm not saying that like there there can't be a lot of characters i mean oceans 11 both and the Clooney work really well but also all of them feel necessary all of them are essential and well they feel individual as well yeah right like, Where, like, like sometimes like, in this they don't feel as individual like it, it's a little bit like in i defy you to close your eyes and count how many actual humans are in this movie like yeah. just yeah. listen and tell me that you can tell how many people are in yeah. that shot like <laughs> yeah and i mean you do get it in a you do get it you know this isn't something that people have learned to do you, you go back to a lot of classic cinema in general and there is a shit ton of people in a lot of those films especially like the really big you know more epic films sometimes in them frames there's loads of people but they seem to like all have their place and manage it where this does seem i think kind of they're undone a little bit by the sets as well because obviously the sets are meant to be claustrophobic mm, and it's meant yeah. to feel crammed in but then when you cram quite a few people into that it becomes a little bit blurry at times but like i said yeah. the the hallway stuff is really good i think anything with the thing is really good i, I really like the way some of that shot all the stunt stuff yeah, is really they, like they really know how to how to frame the yes. thing they, they they know how to like let it linger in yeah. shadow if not entirely you know just right yeah i completely agree yeah and i think the my favorite stuff is the stuff outside there's a lot of like really really nice stuff outside there are like some i did notice some like quite jarring cuts like there's a cut where you know when they all like towards the beginning of the film when they kind of like work out where the spaceship is and then they're all standing around in a circle and then you get this like music that swells up during the wide shot of them all standing in a circle then they like punch in for a close-up of one of the characters where he it's kind of like explaining what's going on and the score just okay. cuts I think it and it, yeah yeah it, it just cuts and it's this really jarring cut where you're like oh okay that was strange I, I don't really know why why that happened but um yeah i thought the cinematography and that was very interesting i think their use of the space outside and that's why i say i think maybe they were undone a little bit by the claustrophobic settings and and where they were you know the the sets that they were filming on because once they were outside and they had a bit more room to play with i think it really opens up and it you can tell a little bit more about oh okay these are your main players these are your lackeys you know you you get a better sense of of who's who and, and it just being spread out a little bit more but oh, yeah no, I absolutely do, I do really like, like i you know again like I, i'm not saying that a large cast is a bad thing it just when the majority of them are, you know, almost inarguably disposable. It just, it just feels too much. Yeah, I completely agree. Man. I, yeah. I completely agree. I don't think that's, I don't, I don't think many people would have a problem with agreeing with that, to be honest, because I think the, the main players in this film come across quite well, you know, and oh, I think absolutely. they, yeah. they could have stood out even more if they wasn't always uh, closed in with other people. But then again, would you lose some of the the frenzy of the piece? Would you lose some of the the kind of madness that's happening while they're in isolation? Maybe. I mean, you know, it's it's to be seen. I definitely think 
they do something right i'm not saying they're doing anything wrong by it by no means am i saying that but yeah i think for me that's just what didn't gel and obviously uh the same for you so yeah that that was a little bit interesting let's um i just briefly want to come back round to to the directors of the piece and, and touch on howard hawks just a little bit just yeah, because definitely. let's do that like you said to me it's it's a guy that you know the name of you you know you you kind of know he's this big classic hollywood director but he's weirdly he's one of these directors that until you kind of start looking at it, he's not associated with properties as much as other directors would be and i think part of that might be that actually some of the properties he directed actually kind of outgrew the name they they were a lot more bigger than he was and also starred like hollywood heavyweights right so like oh i'll reel off a couple so we'll start with he this isn't the only film of his that was later remade and uh, later remade into an absolute classic he directed the original scarface before that was remade i like that movie yeah it's a good film man yeah it's a good film yeah i got that i got that uh scarface 83 uh uh set that that was the first time that that the original was available the original was available yeah and that crazy with the money clip and everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's and... a it's a good film, man. I, I really like <laughs> it. Film. Is. Like I said, he's a he's a notable director. Then the next film I'll reel off is a film called The Big Sleep, which stars Humphrey Bogart. There it is. Yeah. Really, if you haven't seen, I've it, not I watched it, but I think I own it. Oh, okay. Really interesting. Yeah. So yeah, Humphrey <laughs> Bogart, Lauren Bacall. <laughs> You can this was like I love to have and have not. Like to be honest with you, I'll take to have and have not over Casablanca. I'm sorry if that makes me weird. No, no. <laughs> Casablanca's my favorite film of all time. Oh, no. no. <laughs> I, okay, I love Casablanca. I know you. I know that's your constant favorite film of all time. But I, I don't know, man. Like I just, I, I no, in I term, I'm not saying it's a better film, but like I have more fun with it. Yeah, no, that, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah, man. Okay. It's not. There no it one's is. a gatekeeper here. Watch what you want. Enjoy what you want. <laughs> there it is. There are no guilty pleasures. There are no guilty pleasures, exactly. And then getting into getting into the big ones now. So, like, and, and I mean, real, like, they're big, right? What I touched on was big, but these are. So he also directed Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, the Marilyn Monroe. Absolute classic. So, like I said, working with, like, real stars. So, like, if you say Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, most people do not say the Howard Hawks film. Gentlemen of Purpons, they say the Marilyn Monroe. There it is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so that might be why he's not really associated. And then, oddly enough, the film that set me on the Howard Hawks path, as in, oh, he directed this as well. What else has he directed? Is one of, if not maybe my favorite westerns of all time, Rio Bravo. Uh, I am familiar. I have not seen it. It's obviously, most people know it for John Wayne obviously westerns are a real blind spot for me that's a story for another time oh yeah definitely i'm a i've only seen western despite like some obvious problematic issues with Uh, with some classic westerns they are like yeah i'm a big western fan i I love the i mean i'm not gonna lie like like high plains drifter is awesome but holy hell it's awful oh yeah there's some (laughs) yeah there's some horrible fucking shit man that like is probably should have been questionable back in the day but you know i definitely would think yeah you <laughs> anyway. you would hope so right you would hope so but if you're gonna watch rio bravo do not watch it for john wayne watch it for dean martin dean okay. martin is incredible i mean if you love it you kind of don't have to sell me on it but incredible. for those that don't know anything about it like get, yes. get, 
take 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 a, a tiny detour sell people on it like oh well rio bravo yeah. so rio yeah. bravo is so if you've seen any western you know we, we can talk spaghetti western we can talk about john ford films you know as in the searchers like, all great right all classics they're all very very grand incredible cinematography the incu- incredible landscapes you know shot out in mainly arizona i think in the u.s and just insane man like reusing a lot of sets and stuff like that you know and tv shows will later go on to use these sets and stuff and also like for me a lot of westerns from john ford to leone they kind of write the blueprint on a lot of modern cinematography like i always argue that if you want to learn filmmaking as in shots blocking and editing go and watch leone's uh once upon a time in the west that will okay. that will teach you anything, right? That, right? Little bit of a detour there, but like what I'm getting at is that's not Rio Bravo. Rio Bravo is not a big grand western. Rio Bravo is a very character. They're all character really? driven, but this okay. is a very character driven, very small town like gunfight basically, and it you know it's got obviously John Ford, John Ford, uh, John Ford, sorry, <laughs> it's got John Wayne at his center. And then Dean Martin is this kind of like drunk that he enlists to help him out with the, uh, you know, an ordeal in the small town. And uh, yeah, it's great, man. It's just this great small town shoot em up. Yeah, you, you can't go wrong with it. It's really, really good. And again, it will just, right it will just teach, you know, especially if you're into filmmaking and stuff like it, it will just teach you a, a hell of a lot. But yeah, Rio Bravo. I, well, I, can't I mean, I do that. have a little bit of Western cred because I have seen how the West was won in three strip cinema. Like, oh, yeah, so that's definitely three strip cinema. Well, like, <laughs> like, but you know, oh. it's just, it's like I was raised on sci fi, not on Westerns. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, to be honest with you, Westerns were, I tell you what, this is a weird thing, right? It's like my dad, re- like, he loved film. But there's two genres that like he just didn't gel with, and that was westerns and war films. So okay. like growing up, I just weren't like into them films. I didn't watch them films, and then it weren't until I started getting really into filmmaking. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should check some of this stuff out. Okay. War yeah. films still don't really gel with me like that. Well, it's just not my thing. I've never like been into war that much. Don't get me wrong. There's some absolute classics out there that everyone's got to see, but westerns yeah something just grabbed me about westerns it was more i think it's more about like the cinematography more about like the really open landscapes and a lot of the way it's framed and the down and out characters and stuff like i said there's definitely some problematic stuff in them there's some westerns i've seen where you know obviously the cast is nearly always white and Mm. if there are people of color in the cast they're not treated the best I mean, yeah, and then female <laughs> characters as well. Is, yeah, you don't get a lot of um, female characters of note in Western. So there's definitely some problematic issues, but there's also definitely some stuff that you, you can grab onto, especially if you look back with an eye of like, okay, I know this isn't great. I know there's some problems here, but there's also some stuff just as a cinema fan that you can take from it. Well, you could say that about Gone with the Wind as well. It's like Gone with the Wind is an absolute masterpiece in cinematography costume design set design i believe you i own it i haven't seen it don't yeah so me. you can watch it for that <laughs> you know you can watch it for that but then the depiction yeah. of well just everything slaves within that film is extreme it's all of it. like, yeah I so mean, like, you know, what, oh my god i can't remember what's having mcdaniel is that what was that her name the, the actress who yeah. like was yeah. nominated and wasn't allowed in yes yeah, yeah. Just like come on like 
yeah, we're disgusting. not gonna, yeah, anyway, yeah. But there's a again, like as a as a cinema fan, as a filmmaking fan, there's stuff that you can go back and admire about that film. But there's definitely okay. So serious question: Should I watch the DVD that I own, or should I wait until the world opens again and go see it in a theater, like I've been trying to do for a decade plus? If you can see it in a theater, I'd say see it in a theater. Okay. So yes. you know that I would totally wait for it because I just happened onto it like two bucks. Yeah, black there's there's film. some classic films that I would say you have to watch in the cinema you know either because of mainly because of the cinematography of the piece like the the ones that i the the two that i would say are the two ultimate films you have to watch in a cinema are the wizard of oz and lawrence of arabia you See, have that's why i haven't watched lawrence of arabia yeah. yet yeah. that's why i just i, I just happened yeah and then if you can see a lot of other classic films in the cinema definitely do like i've seen Casablanca in the cinema. So oh, right. absolutely. That was really cool. Right? Yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I saw Citizen Kane in the theater once. That was cool. Oh, wow, wow. It was yeah, that would awesome. Be, yeah, that would be. Although, insane. let's be honest, like if you know anything about Citizen Kane, a little bit of trivia, like like dude, the pterodactyls when I saw it in the theater, <laughs> giant. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I still love that. That's in there. I love that they. Uh, that's that's old Hollywood, man. Just reuse footage from other films and uh, not worry about what's in the frame, you know. <laughs> At all. Or, or, <laughs> or, ma- or, or maybe know, that's just... part of it. Maybe that's part of canon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. They're like it takes place in a in a totally bonkers universe. Yeah, that's why it's, everything's it's not, so exactly heightened in that film. It's not exactly. just that the humans are heightened. There's fucking dinosaurs that we never even talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. It's just so normal to them. It's so natural. They don't even talk about it. <laughs> All, All right, right, dudes. Let's talk um, about dinosaurs and monsters. Yeah, let, we're, let's we're move away from dinosaurs, monsters, other world. There it is. And westerns. <laughs> we, we've come away from a, we've come away from the thing from another world. So let's get back into that world and let's close out this one. Is there anything else you want to drop on the film? Any last thoughts? I, I did really appreciate a lot of the the, the little things that we've already touched it, uh, upon. That uh, the one that most people know. Uh, you know, the Carpenter version had, we, we, we touched upon most of it, but there were a couple little, like, like I really appreciated the greenhouse that's in the film. And then as they, they were like in that greenhouse, I was like, wait a minute, didn't diabetes Wilford Brimley have like a little, like little, little plant situation. Wasn't he a little gardener at one point, like in, in the Carpenter version? Might be. I can't. I seem to recall there was just a scene where he's like talking to somebody, maybe even like maybe, he, you know, he's talking, he's talking to Kurt Russell and he's just messing with a plant because he like anyway. But um, and, and, and how like one of the notes I took, it was how I, I felt that in this version that the uh, the way that the dudes were trying to bust each other's balls is something that dudes do. But this felt weird unnatural written and forced and you know it's 80s and shit but like in the carpenter version at least it feels natural like the way they're busting each other's balls is the way dudes fuck with each other it's just yeah. you know yeah a certain yeah. kind of dude will fuck with each other yeah no i i yeah i i i completely agree with that again i feel like that's maybe where the film fell down for me a little bit was that played on because of my appreciation for the carpenter version yeah maybe maybe but you know it i definitely think of 
like this against other films at a time i can see the huge appreciation for it there's definitely stuff i really appreciate of it is it one it's of my not favorites awful. i'm not even definitely. mad that i paid for it and own it because i might just throw it on for background oh, definitely stuff. definitely yeah definitely i think like some of the other films that I'm going to throw at you that I want to that I want to cover while we dive into this 50s sci-fi horror. There's definitely some stuff like I really like, so it'll be interesting to get your thoughts on them. But yeah, we'll um. But the the one bit of trivia I'll end on, which I I did find quite interesting, and you know obviously I've got to go there right because you all know I'm a huge makeup fan, and I've already touched on the thing in this and the makeup and then the Frankenstein um top for for the head. And one thing I did find quite interesting is it is said that when they, they actually filmed quite a few close-ups of the thing and Howard Hawks actually had them removed because he thought the makeup wasn't good enough and didn't live up to close-ups of previous monsters we've seen. And yeah, so he had them removed. Oddly enough, though, I think in this film it actually adds to it and it really, really works because you're not meant to humanise no, this it. monster, right? You're not meant to humanise this alien it's meant to just be a big scary thing for lack of a better word so yeah i yeah. actually think that the long shots and the wide shots really add to it i don't think you need the close-ups so i think yeah that was actually one of the things i really liked about cool. it is like yeah not, not not to tie it to anyway have you ever have you ever seen see no evil oh yeah the with kane from wwe yeah i absolutely loved some of the shots the the setting the I've only seen it the one time, okay, so the, that I'm able to talk about it like this. So, like, I, I, uh, Kane, he's such an interestingly built human being that they yeah, could yes, light him almost entirely, but you never see that fucker's eyes until, like, the last fucking, what, 10, 15 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it had a couple, like, cool gore effects, but, like, that movie was just bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not, and, yeah, it's not, but, I, um, I don't ever like shit on anything, but yeah, that's not I, a good film. I started going down to that because, like, I felt the same way about the 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 way that the thing is imposing and the way that the shots are, you know, like we were touching upon, you know, apparently, you know, Hawks didn't want to show the thing. So the way that it was cut around or lit or not shown, yeah. I don't know. I just I liked all of that a lot. Oh, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, that's that's actually the real triumph for this film. And yeah, something that really, really stayed with me was the way that the thing was presented throughout the whole picture. Yeah, I really, really like that. Even when it's in, like, the ice block, the fact that you basically... Yeah. I forgot about that. It was another tie. I was like, oh, nice, nice ice block. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It did make me... um, it, The presentation of where they're, like, where they go back in the room and it's gone, and then they're like... How did it escape? How did it pour <laughs> out so quickly? And then that that guy just lifts up the blanket and is like, this heated blanket is still on. <laughs> and I was just like, that's brilliant. Yeah, you're yeah. just gonna throw that over the yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that just really that really got me. But yeah. Really? All right, dude. It's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to jumping into some fifties sci-fi horror because there's definitely some stuff I really, really like from this era. And yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to your thoughts on it thank you so much for listening once again boys and girls and until next time stay very very safe horror hounds take care everybody bye